Engineering management can be a lonely place. Welcome to Managers Club, where you'll find interviews with top engineering leaders and managers to help and inspire you. Listen to the real-life stories of successful and ambitious engineering leaders who are focused to lead their teams to bigger and better outcomes. This is Managers Club. Good afternoon. I have with me today Jeremy Henriksen, VP of Product and Engineering at Rippling. Welcome to Managers Club, Jeremy. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Could you share with us a little bit about your background and how you got into management? If we go back far enough, I grew up in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and was a, a shy, introverted kid and therefore fell in love with computers pretty young, partly because I think of my native inclination to that, partly because my dad got all these books on how computers work. And I was fooling around with my Apple II Plus back in the day and really liked adventure games and taught myself how to code. And that was the genesis of my interest in computer science which over the years, as I got into college and then had my first job out of school, made me realize that what I really enjoyed about that was people and how people act around computers and with computers. And that kind of led to this sort of dual exploration of human-computer interaction as a part of, of that. And then, of course, as management itself. And so when I was at a company called Reactivity, we were incubating companies and doing consultancy for people that were trying to figure out what this internet 1.0 thing was back then. The company started growing and it made sense for me to start managing folks. And so I started figuring it out. All right, great. Yeah, and I noticed you had also your manager, Guidewire, Coinbase, and now Rippling. So you have a lot of years experience in leadership, right? Yeah, I guess I do. I've been, I guess if I think back on it, I've been managing more or less for 25 years now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Could you share with us what are some of the biggest challenges you face as an engineering leader or have faced? <laughs> yeah, there are many. I think, strangely, I think perhaps the most consistent challenging thing is recruiting. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to be at, at a set of companies that were all growing incredibly rapidly and whose future depended on us hiring really amazing talent. And that really amazing talent, of course, is in really high demand. And getting really good at that has been one of the biggest challenges. And it's different at every company. A lot of lessons are the same, but in specific, it's really something you have to work at, or at least I've had to work at at every, every company I've been at to really get good at it at that specific company. The other challenge I would note is like finding the right people for the right job at the right time and making sure that you can see around those corners of when an org is scaling beyond its capabilities or when people are accelerating quickly in their own careers and identifying them and, and making sure you give them the opportunities to accelerate and grow with the company. And so I think those two parts, the recruiting side and the kind of the, the growth management have been two things that have, that have always, been, always been challenging, fun, but, but challenging. All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little more to hiring then, because this is a key thing for all engineering leaders. People always say they should always be hiring. So what is your approach to hiring? What have you learned? What has worked well for you in hiring and recruiting? So perhaps the most important foundational thing is that I really believe in the places that I work and believe in the team around me. And so I am woefully unconvincing as a human being if I don't have deep conviction around those things. So that's a, a prerequisite. And then I think the approach is to really find people who 
will also believe in the team and will also believe in the mission, will also believe in the future of the company. And I think at a startup in particular, that's especially true when you're subscale and it's not going to be a cushy like nine to five job. It's going to be hard and it's going to be a grind sometimes. You have to find people who can see through all that and really believe in the same vision that I do. And if you don't have that alignment uh, up front, it, A, it's unlikely they're going to like their jobs, but it's also likely they'll, they'll succeed at them. So that's really the first thing that I test for. And then right alongside that is understanding if their values are consonant with the values of the company and the way that the company operates. Because again, uh, you want to set people up for success on their way in and ensuring that they're going to operate in a way that they bring their own experience to the table, of course, but also is going to work well with what the company is doing to start with is really important. So it sounds like the number one and number two thing for you are values and alignment. If I could just ask a little yeah. more, where does things like technical ability and, and things like that go in your, in your interviewing and hiring? Yeah, so that's next. I, I think that assuming those two things are, are, are screened, I think you just raw horsepower is the next one, right? Because particularly in a fast moving startup environment, people that can take complexity and understand it and reduce it down to something simple is important. And then specifically for engineers, the way in which they can do that in code. And so the ability for them to understand our problem space, to understand their kind of own strengths and their own weaknesses, and then to really be able to demonstrate in a process that they're highly capable within their own craft is really the next sequence of things that, that I really look for. And the thing that follows that or concomitant with that is, do I actually want to work with this human? So it's one thing for them to you know, be aligned with the mission, be aligned with the values and be like a really amazing engineer. But at the end of the day, if this isn't someone that I'm going to like working with or that I feel is going to make me better or that's smarter than me at what they're going to do or something, then it's probably not going to work. Got it. All right. So we talked earlier, you've been uh, in management and leadership for about 25 years or so. Could you share with us a lesson or two you've learned along the way as an engineering leader? I think there have been maybe two really important lessons for me personally. The first of those is make decisions both sooner than you think you need to and more quickly than you think you need to. Velocity, and again, in the startup context, it is hugely important. Like the velocity of decision-making is really important and being willing to make decisions with partial information to the best of your ability is far more important in most cases than making decisions by accruing as much information possible and then doing it or being racked by indecision because you can't decide which of these two or three or four options that are in front of you are the right ones. That's something I very much was not good at when I first started managing. I would let myself get paralyzed. I would like overthink kind of decisions or, or just think too long for the decisions. And I've since learned to be much, much quicker. And I think that's been one of the elements of why I've generally been successful. So that's the first lesson. And I think the second big lesson is it, particularly as organizations scale larger and larger, is it's entirely about getting the right person in the right role at the right time. So most of my decisions boil down to, do I have the right person in that role? Because if I do, I can trust them in the role. They're going to do great at it. They're going to know when they need help. We're going to be able to have a really candid relationship about it. And they're in the right place in their growth trajectory to be like really successful in that role while being supported by me. And the places where I've made mistakes have been where like that's misaligned. 
for some reason, where like the, the current state of the company or that team or that role is misaligned with the kind of capabilities of the person. And that ends up, you can deal with that for a while. And that's always the case to, to one degree or another, but over the long term, it can really kill the team. And so I've learned to try to identify those things as fast as I can and either kind of up-level the person so they can do the job successfully or find a different role for them or hire somebody into the role or whatever you need to do to, to, to make that situation successful. Do you manage other managers? Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, managing other managers for a while. It's an interesting job. <laughs> That's great. What would be your advice for managers who are just starting out in the job? Number one is ask for help, ask for feedback from everybody, from your manager, from the people you are now managing. Acknowledge that you haven't done it before. Acknowledge to yourself, most importantly, that you're probably not going to be great at all of every element of the job. Like maybe the person you're going to be 10 years from now will be better at the job than you are now. And if you can like fully internalize that, you can develop a degree of humility or introspection about how you can be better. And my experience there is that most people, especially the people who are reporting to you, you react much better to that approach than to the attempting to be like, the authoritative, always correct decision maker. Because the reality is you're not always correct. And authority is derivative of being correct and under and over again over time and earning the trust and earning the credibility of the people around you. And so really having that sort of humility is really important, earning your way to the point where people want you to be more directive, right? And want you to be more forceful about your opinion because they trust that most of the time you are going to be right. But that's earned, not given. And, and that's a really hard thing to understand for many people, I think, when they're first starting out in a managerial role. And maybe they have this perception that by being a manager, now you suddenly have power over the people that you're working with, which couldn't be further from the truth in engineering. I think there's other roles in which that is true. But I think in engineering, the most great engineering organizations, that's actually exactly the opposite of what the dynamic ought to be. Yeah, it's interesting. In engineering organizations, as you talk about like the servant leader and these kind of things where the engineering manager, yeah, doesn't have the power you'd think. Well, the way what? I'm making an assumption there, but just to interrupt, sorry for one aside, that, that that's true in the assumption that you have a great team. Right now, if you're a first-time manager and you have the misfortune of inheriting a really broken team, that's a much harder deal because not only are you exercising managerial oversight the first time, but you're also having to wrestle with these issues that are really hard, even for like super experienced mm. managers. And I think my advice in that particular situation would vary a little bit. Yeah, that would be rough. A tough way to start. What is your workday like? How do you manage your time, emails, calendar, like all the things you have to do? Uh, badly? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have long since given up believing I can get everything that I ought to get done during the day. And so part of my role is understanding like, where do I need to delegate? Where, what are the most important things that, that I can do? And how can I make sure that I'm building up an organization around me so that the important things always get handled? And so what that means for me personally is I wake up in the morning, I'm usually guilty of checking my phone the very first thing just to make sure like nothing broke overnight. I have an emergency email from somebody about something or a Slack message or whatever. Then uh, go to take a shower and stuff, go downstairs, say hi to the kids. And then these days, my commute is about 15 seconds down to this room. And usually I have some, you know, standing meeting at eight in the morning or something like that. So I have, I'm pretty 
I jump in and want to like unblock people as quickly as I possibly can. So I'm like looking through my emails, like in the gaps that I have in the morning, I'm like responding to people quickly. If people are shooting me Slack messages, I'm dealing with those quickly. And I view the beginning of my day largely about either having these standing meetings or, or ad hoc meetings or I'm doing something important or unblocking people so that they can move as quickly as they can throughout the day. And then usually by around lunch, my schedule relaxes a little bit. And then I try to like make sure I'm building in time in the afternoon or evenings, depending on how the day is, to get some focused work done. And that could be one of a, a variety of things. And then I just make sure I work down the list before I fall asleep at, at night. And then I start over the next day. It's a pretty busy time. What is a personal habit that you feel has contributed to your success? I, I've thought about this one a lot over the years. And I think the, the, perhaps the most important attribute I've had, I think it's made me successful is just always thinking that I might be wrong. I always think I could be wrong, no matter how confident I am in something, no matter how confident I'm stating something or appearing to be like, always there's a piece of back of my head is like, you know what, Jeremy, maybe you're not seeing it completely, or maybe you don't understand that person's perspective, or maybe you don't really understand this domain as well as you do. And that that attribute has kept me really honest. It has also been the reason that I've been too paralyzed with decision-making in the past. So I've had to overcome that. It's been a weakness as well that I've had to overcome. But net, the belief that I could be wrong means that at least more often than not, I'd like to think I'm a pretty good listener. And I hear people say what they're really saying, not what I want to hear them saying. And because I think I might be wrong, I therefore have a relatively high degree of confidence that at the end, I'm usually right because I've acknowledged the possibility that I might be wrong. It's kind of one of these weird cycle things. I think that's really fantastic that you, you have that view. You're trying to, like you say, you're trying to listen to what they really said, not what you hope they said or you think they said and, and stuff. So that's really great. Yeah. Could you share, is there an internet resource, app, or tool that you really like, you couldn't live without to help you do your job? Google Maps, probably. <laughs> I've lost without going to the right place. As a manager, I actually, I don't really have one. I've never been a big user of like tools that operate on instinct a lot. And so everything that I would name are like really boring things like spreadsheets and email and communication tools that have been effective for me. But, but I actually don't really have another resource out there that I tap with any frequency. If you could recommend one book to managers, what would it be and why? That's a good question. I'm generally opposed to books on management. I think they are I think there are good ones out there, but I think they're mostly not very interesting. There's one we use at Rippling that while I don't agree with all of it, I think particularly for new managers is really thought-provoking and has led to some really good conversations internally called Conscious Business. And it's less about management specifically, though it's written in a business context, and more about understanding how people really work. Because so much of management is about that. And so for us at Rippling, it's been really nice to have this. All managers are reading this book at, at the company across engineering and, and every other function. And having a common language with this, which this book introduces has been enormously useful to us to operate better. And I'd recommend it to anyone who's thinking about going into management because introspecting on those kinds of things is really important. Oh, that's a fantastic book. Uh, I've read that and I actually saw the guy present. I think it's like Fred Kaufman. And he he actually worked at LinkedIn for quite a while. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting book. Yeah. What is your approach to developing or coaching members of your team? When things are working in an ideal fashion, and they rarely are ideal, but when they're working in an ideal fashion, the first thing I like to do is really just try to understand the person and understand what's their aspiration 
where does this job that they're coming into fit into that aspiration? And I try to understand their context, right? Everyone has a different context. Some people like married with kids and dogs, and some people like going hiking in the Appalachians. Some people like going to concerts, like understanding all that context, I think is really important to being able to even start to like mentor and coach people, because until you understand the person, it's really hard to get inside of it. Once I have that context and you don't get all the context right away, it's a lot of that of course is earned. But once I have enough context, I, I like to try to build enough kind of mutual trust. So giving honest feedback, but like lots of good feedback paired with kind of the other kind of constructive feedback, because unless they trust me, unless I've earned that trust from them, it's going to be really hard to give them like the really hard feedback when it inevitably comes. And so I try to provide as much immediate feedback as I can. I fall down on that sometimes just because I get myself a new mode or I think I'm too busy or I like to have flat organizations and too many people are reporting to me and therefore I'm not able to give as much feedback as I should. And so I think that falls apart sometimes. But really giving that immediate feedback is important because eventually something will happen. The business is scaling really fast. Some bad thing will happen on the team where I'll be like, okay, look, I really need you to like, to really stretch yourself here. Here's this thing where I know you're trying, but like, it's not working out, but I want to help you through it. And being able to have them like really trust me and really hear what I'm, I'm saying without it generating a, a negative reaction is really important. So I try to have as many of those moments as I can. What do you feel it takes to be a great engineering leader? I think that depends on, on context, right? I think there are leaders who are much better than I am in certain contexts. I think I'm better than other leaders in certain contexts. I think it depends on kind of time. I mean, in my personal experience, aside from kind of that ability to introspect and recognize you might be wrong, I think it really is overall the ability to one, act with urgency and constantly be driving the tempo, particularly the larger the organization gets. Like if you're managing like three or four or five people, that's one thing. But if you're managing hundreds of people, like your job is to make sure that like you're driving the tempo of the organization, both in terms of like the dedication to the job, but also in terms of making it efficient for them, making it possible for them to act with efficiency. So I think that's number one, that kind of acting, that acting with urgency and like making that sense, like pervade the organization. But second, and very important to pair with that is the ability to see the future clearly. And so the ability to see if I take this action, this is going to be the net effect of that action six months down from or if I don't take an action, more importantly, this will be the net effect of having not taken that action. And I think all the great engineering leaders that I've seen, particularly those who are like managing a larger org, have that little bit of an oracle inside them where they can project in the future and understand the nature of those actions. And of course, it's not 100%. You don't get it right 100% of the time. Nobody does. But if you can get it right more often than not, like you're better off than not having tried in the first place. I think that's a great answer. It's interesting, pushing the urgency and then having a vision of the future that you're moving people towards. Jeremy, uh, you've been really generous with your time. I really appreciate you coming on and you've shared some really uh, great advice to people. Where can people go to learn more about you if they want to connect with you afterwards? Yeah, if you want to connect with me, I think the easiest places like LinkedIn or something like that. I'm pretty quiet on the internet quite deliberately, but message me on LinkedIn and I'll happily uh, return a note that you send there. All right, I'll put a link to your profile. So again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right. This is Vidal Graupera. I hope you found this interview valuable. I created Managers Club to help and inspire engineering leaders like you. If you like this interview, please visit the managersclub.com website and subscribe to the newsletter. At managersclub.com, you'll find additional resources, including several books on engineering leadership. We also have a LinkedIn group where you can discuss and connect with other engineering leaders. And finally, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode. 
See you next time.